to Geek and Friends. I am your host, Scott Davis, and right alongside me, Jason Hickey. How's it going today, Scott? Not too bad, not too bad. Just the days are going. The days are going. Yeah, yeah, in fact, they are. In fact, the days have gone so fast that we're at the end of Star Trek Lower Decks. I know, and it's a sad one, because I want more. You do, but good news for you, and good news for those Star Trek fans out there. What's that? Prodigy. Star Trek Prodigy starts mm-hmm. October 28th. Mm-hmm. We had a week off from Star Trek, and then we're right back into it. So I can deal with it. There you go. I do know also that in November, we are going to be busy. Mm-hmm. Because... I know I know. Of at least just the week of the 19th, we have three shows that we are going to be talking about. Yep. One of them is Wheel of Time. Yeah, and one of them is Star Trek Discovery. And the final one is Cowboy Bebop. Is it now? <laughs> well, I sent the, you the uh, I sent you the video this morning. Well, you, yeah, but I didn't know we were watching it for the show. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I bring I break it to him. I just uh, tell him that we're doing That's it. That's good because you know the week after that Hawkeye starts. It is. <laughs> so we're I guess gonna I, a, we, we're gonna, we're going to be very busy. Yes, November is a busy time for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but back to Lower Decks. So we're doing episodes 9 and 10. Mm-hmm. Episode 9 is called Wejduj. Now, do you know what that is? Um, I'm going to say no, but I'm going to say it sounds like it's a foreign word, and it's most likely going to mean um, I am stupid because I read this out loud. <laughs> Uh, no, it means three ships in Klingon. Oh, well, that makes sense, being the fact that there are three ships that we're talking about in this episode. Yeah, actually, there there are four ships. Five. True, there are five. <laughs> yeah, yes. but four and five we really touched on like once for a gag, and the other ones we actually followed a story. Correct. So the three ships in question are the Cerritos, mm-hmm. a Klingon bird of prey, mm-hmm. and a Vulcan science vessel. Yep. And we follow the lower decks on all of them. Now, the Cerritos is involved because they're on a long warp and they got nothing to do. And everybody has a bridge buddy except for Boimler because um, Rutherford is hanging out with Billups and then he's hanging out with Shax. Um, Mariner's hanging out with her mother. And Tendi, she was with Dr. Tana, right? Yes, she was climbing... She was climbing a mountain. Yeah, with she Dr. was rock Tana. climbing. Yeah, she was rock climbing. And there was a great visual gag with that one. We'll get to it when we get to the oh, rock yeah, climbing part. Yeah. So Boimler cannot find it. He doesn't have a bridge buddy. He tries to get a couple of them and, and he kind of scares them off because he's he's very earnest. And so he tries to kind of barge in on other bridge buddy things. Mm-hmm. So he goes to Mariner and her mother and they are in the holodeck doing a exercise program and they're just yelling at each other, which is not surprising. <laughs> He, it, he was, goes to, it was like a tactical drill, really, yeah. is what it looked like. Uh, he went to Rutherford and Shacks, and they were, you know, doing the very calming thing of making bulls out of clay. Like, until very he meant Until he mentioned that, hey, did you do this back on Bajor? Shaxx <laughs> <laughs> and, and Shax and got very upset just... because, <clears throat> that's because there is no time for anything on Bajor except for resisting. It's all about the resistance. It is. And, and then he tried to, and this one was my favorite, he tried to go and uh, kind of barge in on Ta'ana and Tendi. Now, what were they doing, Scott? Well, they were climbing, uh, climbing a rock, um, a mountain, and then Very he decided... specific mountain. Yeah, yeah. I think it was like um, uh, the one that Kirk climbed in like one of those Star Trek movies. Kirk climbed El Capitan in Star Trek V. Okay. I can't believe he did but, that, Scott. But one man had a great shirt. 
He did. Yes. Well, and the thing is, the shirt is a direct callback to that movie because that is the shirt that Kirk had in that movie. Yeah. Oh, it is. Yes. I did, I just I just remembered it was he was also wearing the hover boots, and uh, Spock was also hovering up to the uh, the mountain to talk to Kirk while Kirk was climbing. Yes. In the movie, Spock had the hover boots. Kirk had the shirt, and Boimler kind of combined them. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think Boimler read the manual on the boots because you know he fell. He spiraled out. Is what he yeah. did. But he, he finally does find a bridge buddy to go uh, to be hanging out with, being the fact that he says he's also Hawaiian. He said he's, he's not. not. Hawaiian. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's not. I believe he's from what Modesto, California, something like that. Yeah, but he Some is California. Um, in California. But he is, you know, he's with Commander Ransom mm-hmm. and, and, and a couple a small, other people. And, and I mean. Uh, one is the one that has to wear the, uh, you know, the uh, the um, the mist apparatus that to the make him let him breathe. Yeah, the benzite. Yeah. Then there was uh, another human, and I think that was it. There was only the three, right? I think yeah, it was just three of them, and then Boimler made four. Yeah. And that is what's going on in the Cerritos. Then we also have a Vulcan ship that we're following, and we have a very emotional Vulcan. Oh, how emotional was she? Well, if you'd if she was a human, you'd think she was like something was wrong with her because she's deadpan all the time. But for a Vulcan, apparently she's very emotional. Yes, she it was literally a single word that she said that made the other officers feel like, oh, my God, you're horrible because you said you felt something. Yeah, you have a you have you, you, you've it's not like I actually felt a, like a like a like anger or something like that. It's just I have a like a gut feeling. That's all it was. <laughs> well, and you can't trust your gut. That is illogical. And she was basically performing a scan in some place that there shouldn't be anything. So it was a waste of time. And and they didn't like that. And then so they were they were giving her all sorts of grief for it. And then the other ship that makes out our wage douge is a Klingon bird of prey with a Klingon lower decker who has to, you know, walk Take the, the targ off after walk. his meal. Yes. Well, because targs have to poop after they eat, Scott. Yes. Yes. And and he's looking forward to it because that means he gets to be on the bridge. And if he's on the bridge, that means he might be able to step into second of command when the commander murders the captain. Well, that was he literally walked in and the commander murdered the captain at that moment. Well, well, and the, so then the commander he's tried. now look- the commander tried. The, the commander died. Yeah. <laughs> the captain killed him. And so the captain needs to look for a new second in command. Yeah. And that's when he makes a decision of, oh, I'm going to I'm going to show my best effort to sh- to make me into your second command. Right. And the captain kind of like hemmed and hawed and go walk my targ. Because captain's <laughs> jerk. He's going on. Now all of these things we we kind of like given the broad strokes on all of them. Now, all of these come to a head because the Vulcans detect something that they shouldn't in a region of space where there shouldn't be anything. The Cerritos eventually detects the same thing, and it turns out that that thing is the Klingon ship that is meeting with the Paclets, because this Klingon captain well, no. has been supplying no, no. the Paclets. No, what actually happened was they detected a explosion, and what happened was the Klingons, as you were just saying, the Klingons were giving them energy uh, signature. It was an of an explosion because they sent a the Klingons sent them a torpedo. And the packlets thinking, oh, we can just test this comp- torpedo. And then after they tested the one time, then they keep on using it out over and over and over again. But no, once you use the torpedo, it goes once <laughs> and only once. And But because they used the torpedo, they had the energy signature that the Vulcans found out and the energy signature that the, the Cerritos found out about. 
Right. And anyway, the, the captain has been supplying arms to the Packleds, and when the Cerritos comes to investigate, they open fire on them because they can't have a Federation witness to this. And the Cerritos has actually actually lasted a lot longer than I thought they would because they kind of got demolished by the Packleds last season, but they were kind of holding their own for a little bit, and then they started to lose. But then the Vulcans come, and that Vulcan ship was huge. Well, it wasn't the Packleds and the Klingons were fighting. The, right. Uh, oh, yeah. It was two on one. It was two on one. Well, and then it became two on two because the Vulcans came. Yeah. And then it became two on one again because our Klingon lower decker decided to challenge his captain and was about to die, actually, until the Targ remembered who actually walks him and, you know, bit the captain. And, and so was, the lower decker won and killed the well, captain. Yeah. In, in grand Klingon tradition, he murdered his captain and took his place. Yeah, so now he is the captain. And, yeah, he, just, and he, he thought that the captain was a dishonorable patach. And I said that one right? You did. You did. Okay. Very good. I'm very and, proud of you. <laughs> and he decided to stop fighting against the Federation and the Vulcans, and he w- just whooped out of there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, and then the Packleds were kind of getting hammered, and they decided to warp out. Mm-hmm. And then the Vulcans just kind of like... Hey, Cerritos, you okay? And then left. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> they don't want to they didn't really do anything, no. But no, then we went we... to ship four, which is the Packlid ship. And we yes. saw a couple of uh, Packlid lower deckers. And yes. they're just literally sitting around doing nothing. It's like... <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> like, I'm hungry. The, 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 the alarm that was going off for the fight was, uh, was just hilarious. Because yeah. you know, like we have red alert. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember, what was the exact wording on that? I'm it was trying like, to remember, but it was It was really so ridiculous. stupid. Yeah, well, it's the pack. It was red alarm, red alarm, yeah. red alarm. <laughs> and then we we did touch on the the Vulcans after that too, and it turns out that this Vulcan lower decker is being transferred to a human ship. Now, I thought that meant we were going to get them on the Cerritos, and we still might in season three. Yeah, but so far nothing has come of that. No, well, it was just literally just a you know one episode to before yeah. the end. So. Well, yeah, but they still the, They're not going to transfer them over on the Baton. After the penultimate, no. it, that's just not going to happen right away. Eh, eh, they could have. Hey, Scott, what was the fifth ship? The fifth ship we saw was a Borg vessel. Mm-hmm. And their lower deckers just sat in their alcoves, regenerating. <laughs> oh, they do. Through the entire end credits. And you know what? I watched the entire end credits to see if they were going to do anything. They did nothing. And it was hilarious. <laughs> but I mean, isn't there are no senior staff on a Borg vessel? No. So no, every no. drone is just a lower decker. Correct. Yes. So there. Now, our last episode of the season is first, first contact. He's not. This one's got uh, some, what? I, I was going to say, you, you, you're saying the actual name of the title of the episode. He's not stuttering on this. He is correct. This one's got some good callbacks. Um, the ship that the Cerritos is helping, the Archimedes, appears to be a sovereign class vessel, which is the same as the Enterprise E. Well, it actually the, looked more like uh, the... Uh, the Excelsior? ship that uh, the Sulu flew. See, in some shots, it looks like the Excelsior, but if you look at the IMDb shot, those warp nacelles are, those are sovereign class. Well, so what may, it was, maybe, was, it was maybe the, it's an Excelsior it's that's souped up. I don't know. But anyway, it's, it's, it's that style of ship. Now, the biggest thing about this ship is the captain. Did you recognize the captain? No. Should I? Yes, you most was it was, it was it that, that, um, the one you said that was from the next generation, the one that was the commander? Nope. I thought that was in that's Commander Shelby. And no, this was Sonia Gomez. Now, Sonia Gomez 
was in two episodes of TNG. Do you expect me to remember that? One of which was the first episode where we are introduced to the Borg. And the other one is where she saves Jordy's life from the Packleds. Okay. <laughs> and they actually got the actress who had retired from acting. They got her back to voice this character. And now oh, it's nice. especially good because in one of the episodes, she spills hot chocolate on Picard because she's carrying hot chocolate around engineering. And then at the end of this episode, when one of her ensigns trips and on the bridge, she says, don't worry, I've done a lot worse in front of much more intimidating captains. <laughs> and she is directly, directly referencing Picard. He's it's a, a very great intimidating touch. captain. It's a great touch. It's a great callback. And I, I like that they did it. Now, this is, like we said, the, the title is First First Contact. It is um, Captain Freeman's first time doing a first contact. He, she's the backup because Gomez is going to be doing the first contact. And then Freeman is there, you know, in the background. For a, sec for a second contact. Yeah. Well, kind of. <laughs> now, everything goes belly up, goes pear-shaped immediately because a solar flare destroys a planetoid and just rains radioactive debris that it impacts the Archimedes and they lose all power and they are hurtling towards this planet and they have 20 hours to stop themselves or they will crash into the planet and instead of a first contact we will have an extinction level event but you also have to remember this after this planetoid broke up and it hit the uh, hit the Archimedes the Archimedes then had no power they couldn't do anything right yeah it was like an so EMP. They're, they they're just literally just falling free-falling from the gravity right now it is up to the cerritos to save her now when they are trying to figure out how they're going to do it it's actually pretty funny <laughs> they throw out some suggestions about you know using the deflector and blah blah, blah. but kashan comes up with the idea of why don't we just go around the debris everybody looks at him like he's insane because nobody actually in star trek actually likes to admit that they're in three-dimensional space and they could just go around <laughs> stuff <laughs> No, you have to go through the danger. It's the Starfleet way. <laughs> now, their solution is because they can, the, the particles of this planetoid will be attracted to the magnetism in the hull, that's only the outer hull. If they take that off, the inner hull will still be there to, you know, keep life support, and they can get through this. So they well, how the are they going to be able to see? Well, they're going to have to take the panel off the bridge and expose the bridge to space. And everybody's in spacesuits. And in a callback to Star Trek Insurrection, um, Ransom is piloting the ship with a joystick. <laughs> which is just as ridiculous here as when Riker did it in, in Insurrection. It's so funny, though. Now, oh, it is. It's great. So we actually do get to see something that we've heard a couple of times in different Star Treks. And we actually get to see it in this episode. We get to see Cessation Ops. Cetacean Ops. Banned uh, by of the dolphins. dolphin crew members. Actually, I think they were beluga whales. Whales. Beluga whales. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the, these these dolphins seemed really keen on getting Rutherford to swim with them. So Oh, they were very horny. That was a little weird. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, the reason they went here is because there's one panel on the ship they can't seem to get done, and they need the manual release. And the manual release is through Cessation Ops. And the dolphins can't do it because they're very angry when they say it. It, the handle is not designed for flippers. <laughs> I don't blame them for being angry. It's in their section. They should be able to do it. Well, it's it's the one and only one that's in their section. Everything else, like all the other uh, panels were, you know, in the actual manual releases. Well, were and, the and they were able to do it from... Yeah, they were, well, they were able to do most of them from space, but this one was stuck. Now, yeah. Mariner was going to do it, but... Boiler yells at her and says, no, you need to go make up with your mother because her and her mother were fighting because her mother's being promoted. Yes. Well, not really noise. promoted. She's being moved to a new ship. 
Well, yes. Allegedly. And, yeah. But, I mean, we got to say why they were fighting them. Well, because her mother's not going to take her with her. No, that's not what it was. It was, Marina doesn't, I mean, she's upset that her mother's leaving. But she was like, how can I, how can I make things worse? Well, I'm going to go and tell everyone else, you know, all well, the senior staff that yeah. she's leaving. <laughs> so that it gets them all pissed off with her mother. And then she then Mariner actually is incredibly, gets... That's yes. because Mariner is incredibly selfish. But Okay, selfish. She's selfish. So Mariner goes to the bridge to make up with her mother. And she actually ends up in a spacesuit hanging out of the bridge, watching for debris for Ransom to dodge with her, you know, quote unquote, nemesis, Jennifer the Andorian, who we're not sure why they don't like each other, but they don't. And Boimler is the one who has to swim down and release this, this, this clamp. And he makes it, punctures his suit, and he starts to drown. Now, this is the awesomeification of Boimler again, because he's been very competent this season. Yeah, he's still got some childish stuff. Like he made a Captain Freeman Day poster that looked like it was done by a five-year-old. Well, that was actually but, this episode too, because like part of the joke for him was going around all day. I was like, what do you do with Captain Freeman Day? And everyone's yeah. like, oh, that's just for ch- for children. And then he goes to the uh, the beluga whales. And he's like, what do you guys do with uh, Captain Freeman Day? And like, oh, those that's just for cubs. Yeah. <laughs> nope, he made a poster because he's a dork, but he's a competent dork because he actually gets the job done. And then the whales, the whales, the dolphins save him. And Mariner, you know, she gets thrown out of the ship and Jennifer the Andorian actually saves her life. And they, they kind of make it seem like something bad happened to the ship because it impacted one of the asteroid pieces. But, and then they, cause they cut to the Archimedes as, as it's about to crash into the planet. But then the tractor beam comes on and the Cerrito saves the Archimedes. And then Captain Freeman gets to do first contact by herself. It's her first, first contact. Her first, first contact. Yes. And while she's down there, she pretty much says, oh, and she started to do all this formal stuff. And the ambassador of the planet is like, hey, come over here. We're going to go party and get drunk. Oh, yeah. And she gets very drunk. <laughs> now, after all this, she decides, you know, I'm not going to take the command. This ship is my family. And when Starfleet Command is at, you know, comes to the Cerritos around in orbit of this planet, they're like, I'm going to go and tell them that I'm not taking it. And she walks in there and she tries to tell them that she's not doing it. But that's not what they're there for. They are there because she, they believe that she has been working with the Klingons to supply the Paclids with a device to blow up their home planet because the Paclids managed to blow up Paclid planet. Well, I mean, the Paclids are stupid. <laughs> of course, they're the ones that blew up their own planet. Incredibly. But the ending shot of the season is them marching her away in handcuffs in front of her entire crew who was there to congratulate her. Yeah, they're, they're all lined up in columns. You know, because they were going to do the, oh, congratulations, congratulations, clap, 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 clap. Right. <laughs> you know, what but they she's, literally in, she's literally in handcuffs. Yeah. And that's how the season ended. So, Scott, we kind of got a cliffhanger. We definitely got a cliffhanger because it says to be continued. And the problem is, we don't know when this is coming back. Like, normally when you get cliffhangers, it'd be like, hey, we got to, it, it's May, we got a cliffhanger, we got to wait until September. We might not get another season for another year. Oh, it happens. And now you know how I feel about cliffhangers. I understand how you feel. And I, I agree to a point, just not as, you know, vehemently as you do. I have a, I have an honest to God reason why I hate cliffhangers. And you know, I understand now, but that has been the second season of Lower Decks. What did you think? I, I thought it was better than the first, actually. I, was, I agree. It was better than the first season. Um, got a little more, you know, 
with the the lower deckers but you know i think it was actually because you got more of the command crew and you got some more you know rounding of the people around them and not just right. the, the four core and and we also got the character <laughs> development in boimler mm-hmm. because he's he's come a long way from the boimler in season one and i i, I like the direction they're going with that yeah boimler has as you said earlier he's started to become more confident but yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think this is better. I enjoyed season one. This is better than season one. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hoping they can keep upping the quality season after season. But and we'll that's see. What that's something they're going to hope for. And that's something they're going to we'll, we'll look upon the mm-hmm. next time we come to the lower decks. Yes, but that won't be for a while. Because as we said, it takes a little while for these seasons. But don't worry. We've got Prodigy, which we'll talk about when the season is done. We've got Discovery, which is coming next month. And we still have the Scott watching in chronological order of Star Trek. Yes, of which I'm actually ahead of him right now. Uh, you've always been ahead of me on Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, well, that's Star, not... Star Trek's my thing, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I have been your geek, Scott. I have been your geek, Jason. Thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of your day.